thank you, John. Suddenly, the Spirit of God is still moving. Pentecost is about the Spirit of God is still moving. The Spirit of God is still moving. Do you feel a change within? Maybe it's been a while since you felt a change within, but the Spirit of God is still moving. Some people want to say it's over and done. The Bible is finished. Every word is written, every period, every comma, and you can just find everything right there. Nothing else is new in the world, but it says the Spirit of God is still moving. We have such a problem with this. One denomination made it their whole campaign slogan. The United Church of Christ said, God is still speaking. Because they thought people were pretending like God had stopped. And they felt like they needed to say it and put it on bulletin boards and remind people God is still speaking. They added a little humorous thing to that, a quote from George Burns that said, don't put a period where God puts a comma. You know, do not put a period where God puts a comma. So they were in the mode of Pentecost. The Spirit of God is still moving. Sometimes that's a little unsettling for us. And we'd like to pretend that God has just stopped. And everything has been written. And we have the answers. We can go to a specific verse and point at it and know that this is true for each and every situation everywhere around the world, no matter what other people's prayers tell them. The Spirit of God is still moving. Suddenly, the Spirit comes in, and we can feel a change. Even when life seems so fixed, when we do the same dances over and over and over again, when you realize this is the hundredth time I've been in this argument with my partner, it may look a little different, it may have started a little different, it may have been on a Saturday instead of a Monday night like usual. But when we look at it, it's the same argument, the same discussion, the same challenge, hundred times. They may look different, but they come back to the same thing, and we're repeating patterns that we have had in our lives for a while. Boy, they can grab a hold of us. There's this psychologist named Cartman who drew this wonderful triangle, and he called it, there's this conversation where Three people do this dance together. And the dance, he called it the drama triangle. You may have heard of it. Y'all like drama? I know some of you do. I've seen it. Drama. It says in, all the, in these kind of conversations, there's typically a victim, and there's a persecutor, and there's a rescuer. A victim, a persecutor, and a rescuer. And, they can, and he says they can do that dance forever. Forever as if there's nothing new to breathe in life. They can do it over and over and over again. Sometimes they might even change roles, but they do the same dance. They might look for others for help. What does he say? What does she say? You know, how do we find the answer instead of maybe going directly to the person that we're having the challenge with? I know, I did that as a kid. When daddy said no, I went to mom. You know, instead of going directly to the person that I had the challenge with. So we might be caught in those habits that sometimes bring despair in our dramas, in our past, or maybe in our plans. And then suddenly, 
something comes in we didn't expect. New life is breathed into the situation, and perhaps we have a moment to look at it a bit differently. I know some of you join me in reading the book of Awakening daily. It's one of the ways we as a community of faith do something spiritually together. We sell this in the bookstore, and if you don't have a copy, you can pick it up there any week. We have them in the bookstore. But I love it when I see some of you posting little clips from this on your Facebook status. I said, oh yeah, we're doing this together. We're doing this together. And I want to have a, a share with you a reading from Mark Nepo, and it's not today's reading, it's actually tomorrow's reading. So if you're in this, I'm only going to read part of it, so you can read the whole thing tomorrow if you're doing this devotion. But it's called Through the Wall of Flame. And he says, as a frightened man in a burning boat, there's only one way to the rest of his life. We must move with courage through the wall of flame into the greater sea. And then he reflects, living long enough, we each find ourselves surrounded by an old way of being, thinking or loving that is going up in flames. In that unexpected moment, we usually find ourselves full of fear, feeling trapped by an old way of life coming in on us. But this is the passage of rebirth that we must move through if our lives are to unfold. It is the momentary and painful crossing from what is old into what is new. It's understandable to stall at the wall of flame not wanting to face everything that's burning about us. Yet old ways can burn forever. And waiting for the flames to go out seldom works. We can waste years in waiting. So here we come to Pentecost. Old ways are ready, flaming away. Spirits coming in to bring us something new, but will we hold on to that which is old, or will we listen to the Spirit moving? Will the disciples do the same? Will we have an aha that says, okay, let's try a different way of being. Let's try a different way of feeling. Let's try a different way of perceiving. Oh, Lord, let's try a different way of praying may bring us into a new light. And suddenly a light bulb may go off. Y'all know that expression? A light bulb may go off. You heard it in the video. They were working hard and suddenly a light bulb went off. You may have seen it in a movie. I don't know how many of you remember the miracle worker about Helen Keller and her teacher. Over and over again, pouring out love into the student, pouring out hope into the student, pouring out all the tricks of the trade that she had into the student. And the student wasn't responding. And then one day, finally, with the student around the water pump, pushes water, signs water, pushes water out, signs water. And the student, finally, the light bulb goes off. And you can see it with amazement as this whole new world opens up and new possibilities are there before her. And she starts to learn the language of what it means to be able to be in communication and understand those around her. Do you have moments like that in your life where things open up, where the possibilities are enormous? Some new way of thinking or being allowed you to expand beyond what you thought? Sometimes we need a teacher to help us do that, to find the words, to find the language. Sometimes the teacher might look kind of belligerent to us, 
you know, and kind of, you know, making it hard for us in life, that we have to struggle with them. And I love this scene in Jerry Maguire, in the scene that Cuba Gooding is playing an athlete, and Tom Cruise is playing an athlete's agent, and they've been fighting the whole movie. And there's this scene where it gets to the point where they're arguing about whether the athlete should go ahead and start playing without a contract or not. You know, and the agent is saying, you just need to let go of some of your attitude. And the athlete says, Cuba Gooding says, oh, you just want me to dance. And Tom Cruise says, no, 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 just a little attitude adjustment. And he says, no, you're telling me to dance. I'm an athlete and I don't play without a contract. You know, and they go through this argument back and forth, help me to help you, all these wonderful phrases of the agent using all their tricks, you know, to get the athlete to do what they want him to do. And at the very end, the agent succumbs and says, okay, I get it, you won't start without a contract. You know, and exasperated, the agent starts to run out of the place, and the athlete looks at him and says, see, the problem with us is, you think we're arguing and everything's over. I think... We finally started to communicate. Light bulb goes off. Relationships change. Sometimes it takes a while before we finally get to the point where we actually are communicating. When we cross racial differences, when we cross cultural differences, when we cross language differences, when we cross differences from one side of the bed to the other side of the bed at home, when we cross differences, it takes time, and we need the Spirit with us working to help us find a common language of love between each other. Aha! The light bulb goes off. And we might understand something we couldn't comprehend before. It might change our lives. The disciples were misread as being drunk. They had an experience that they really couldn't even put words to. They, they were seen as being drunk. I love the passage, the way Peter tries to write it off, as it's only nine in the morning. I was with a friend who's long time been in sobriety, and she said to me, what are you talking about? That doesn't make a difference. You know, Peter, if Peter had been around here for a while, he would have known that doesn't make a difference. That's not any sound argument. You can be drunk at nine in the morning. She knew that. But they weren't drunk. We might call it high on life or drunk on love or experience in a blaze of glory, whatever our language is for it today. You know, some artists have had pictures of it. Might look like flames moving around. Described it as flames among and upon them and joined together this image. I wonder what it would look like today if the story had been written in our culture and that experience had come. We talk about people who light up. I wonder if it looked more like something like this photo up here, like light bulbs, because we know what those are. You know, think about that for a moment. We talk about all the ahas, the light bulbs going off. We talk about seeing people's faces light up. We even see pictures of people where their heads are light bulbs in comics as, as the idea finally occurs and it goes off. You know, does that warm us up? I don't know. Seems a little technical to me, but the same experience of, oh, a new thing is happening. Can we work together in this new thing, in this new way? And it may, we may like the other picture better. We may like to go back, and that's okay. But I believe they were saying the same thing in their words as we're saying when we say, oh, oh, they got it. Aha. 
and the light bulb went off. But what did they have to get? Do we know what they were waiting for? What was it that needed to click off in their brains and hearts and ways of being that they became the church? Inside a room, closed up, they're together. Outside the room, there's a festival going on. There's a party. It's called the Festival of Weeks. Everybody's coming to town. Jerusalem is kind of crazy with all these people. Some of them might be drunk at 9 a.m. in the morning. They're bringing in their fruits of the harvest. They're celebrating with it. They're bringing it all to the temple. All of this is happening outside while they're inside. You know, so there's a party going on outside. And this is the festival of weeks after those seven weeks, 50 days. And there's a specific invitation list, the scripture tells us, to that kind of party in Leviticus 23 and Deuteronomy 16. It says, at that party, at the festival of weeks, you have your sons and daughters, your men servants and your maid servants, the Levites in the town, the aliens, the immigrants, the fatherless, and the widows living among you. So at this particular festival in the heritage of the Jewish people, everybody came. It was for Everyone and anyone, no matter what you had, as far as family, as far as resources, as far as abilities or talents or gifts, everybody was invited to the festival of weeks. Everyone was invited to come before God and bring whatever it was they had to offer. So this is going on outside. Everyone's invited. And inside, we have the disciples gathered together. They might be thinking, we lost our teacher. What are we to do? Then it happens, sound like a rush of wind, flames entering in. They get a second wind, a second spirit. They get fired up. They rush outside. The movement starts with them together, and then they move outside. And in the movement, they go and share with others without even a chance to breathe. They move from one experience into the other experience. And what find, find out is people can understand one another. All the divisions from all of the tribes that are listed from around the world understand one another. We can hear each other. What if what Pentecost is, is is moving from one understanding of a tribal religion into a global understanding of all languages, all voices, all peoples? Some of them, one of the tribes has even lost the northern kingdom. It doesn't exist anymore. So even those who don't exist anymore are included, included in this experience of understanding and comprehension. This isn't what some people understand as the gift of tongues and speaking in tongues. That's a great gift that's spoken around the world and in many traditions. But this is a gift to the community. This is a gift that doesn't need translation. This is a gift of God's Spirit that is understood just by being in the presence of the other person. And it's catchy, it's contagious. This is the early church's aha moment. This is the moment where they move from inside the closed doors, wondering what to do next, to being missionaries in the world, to sharing the love they know with others all around them. This is their aha moment where they have to go through the wall of flames into a world with God with them. This is being written at a specific time in church history, this account of this event. 
as they look back on it, probably 80 to 100 years later, it gets written. And they're trying to remember that moment. Because at that time, they need it. Because they thought Jesus was going to come back right away. They thought the second coming of Jesus was imminent, would happen in their lifetimes. In fact, in one of the Gospels, it promises that it will happen in their lifetime. And so they are trying to process what does it mean that our lifetimes are coming to an end and we haven't seen it yet. So in the New Testament, in the book of Luke and Acts, which is written by the same community, the author takes this opportunity to tell them, we've had the second coming. We had it right there at Pentecost. You became the body of Christ. You became the church. You became Jesus in and for the world, the hands and feet of Christ. You became that. It's an important moment in the understanding of the first century Christians where they shifted from essentially waiting to fully claiming and being and understanding themselves as the body of Christ for the world. Now, if we believe what Luke and Acts says, and we agree with this one interpretation of the second coming, what that means is that you are the second coming. You are the body of Christ. You are the Holy Spirit moving in and through the world. You are the flamers expected to breathe God's love out for all to hear. So in this one interpretation, interpretation of Scripture in Luke and Acts, the aha is you're not waiting around anymore. You're it. You're not waiting around anymore. You are it. We have powerful experiences in our life. We need big words and big images, and still they might fail us. We try as much as we can to describe to the neighbor what it felt like to be received, to be loved in a group of people, and we still can't really explain it. John Wesley in the Methodist tradition said his heart was strangely warmed. Just a few words. But I think I know what he meant in just a few words. He didn't talk about flames and tongues and the breeze coming through, but in those few words... He was talking about Pentecost. Explaining it isn't the experience. Describing it isn't being it. We are asked in Pentecost to experience God's Spirit claiming us, naming us, proclaiming us God's love for the world. Can you handle that mantle? Can you feel it upon you? Because once you embrace it, tell you what, you're going to have tongues of fire over your head, like Luke says. Light bulbs are going to be going off all over the place, but not only in this closed place, out beyond it, because you're going to be able to speak the word of faith in ways that people understand like they've never understood it before. They're going to say, look at that. Look at that lesbian preaching about Jesus. Is this a new word or what? Look about them talking about God's love that welcomes those who are immigrants, those who are impoverished, those who are incarcerated, those who are in despair. Is this the church I know? Is this the Holy Spirit breaking free in a new way? 
The church is the resurrected body of Christ. God finally said, in a way we could get it, if we listen closely. No more in-betweens, people. No more going to him and her and asking and all of this for the blessing and those things anymore. I am in you. We are the church together. I am in you. You are in me. No separation. Can you feel that moment for the disciples? That moment that changed their life and their mission? God says, directly, directly come to me. There's no separation. No separation ever. There never has been. But will the light bulbs go off this time? Will the flames shoot up this time? Will we be able to get it? Our denomination had its own Pentecost story. There was a moment at one of our general conferences where the worldwide MCC church comes together. And there was a preacher up front. And the preacher said, you know, we've been telling ourselves our business is about going out of business. We've been telling ourselves our business is about going out of business. Because once we get lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people accepted, then there's no reason for us to exist anymore. And in that place of that general conference, he said to them, but the Holy Spirit's come. And said, you're not through. You are the people who speak God's love, and God's love never ends. It won't be done when you're accepted. It won't be done ever, because God's love is constantly around nurturing, pushing us to transform ourselves and transform the world. And in that moment at that conference of MCC, the Holy Spirit broke loose. People experienced healing. People experienced joy. People experienced God's love in a new and fresh way. Today, people of resurrection, I pray for you. Not just individually, but corporately for Pentecost, because it wasn't an individual specific gift for a person. It was a creation of God's second coming here among us, each of us together being the body of Christ. Amen.